back to the Baguette Boys and You podcast. I am Derek, and I am your host. Or if you've seen Zoolander, then my name is Derelict. And no, you may not lick my balls. Wow. That's a great movie, by the way. If you have not seen Zoolander, you must watch. Who steal? That is a really good reference, but I did not know where you were going with that when you said you had a good intro for today. I told you it's fire, but if you haven't seen that movie, then that sounded really weird, and I recommend you watch that movie, because I'm not that weird, but I am that funny. Sorry, that was about... <laughs> he is that weird, and that is why we have a podcast, and we are interesting to listen to, hopefully. <laughs> All right, so we have a killer episode for you today, and I have a sneaky suspicion that it'll end up being one of our longer, more insightful, and fun episodes. What do you guys think about that? Love that. Yeah, I mean, I've been looking forward to this one for a couple of weeks now that we've gotten that ship sailing kind of attitude going i was really excited to hear about this one yeah i wonder if the listeners have uh, been following along on instagram and been paying attention to some of our teasers out there you know i guess uh, they'll find out what this episode's all about a little bit later but i do think that this is going to be a very interesting topic and very insightful awesome love to hear it so we're going to change things up a little bit we usually start with a challenge but today we're going to start with our year review for the month which is my turn this week, and I'm excited to talk about it. I got a lot to tell you about. So I'm just going to jump in. Insert insert noisemaker here. Woo! (laughs) Um, So to remind everyone, my yearly goals, uh, I had four. One was to stay current, which is more of an overarching mantra. I want to be a JavaScript wizard. I want to learn, continue learning Japanese. And I have my green goal, which is kind of just generally being more sustainable with all my actions. Pretty much all my January goals I've completed. I think I set the bar lower than I expected is what happened, but I'll take those small wins. Um, it, things went well. I got my resume done. I've learned a ton about Photoshop, which I didn't expect to, but my design resume is done. Um, JavaScript, the stuff I had to do, which is like finish a tutorial. I had like one page left and I thought I had like 10. So it, it was a lot easier than I anticipated. Um, so I, I got a lot of this stuff done early. Japanese didn't go super, super well. Um, I, of course, watched anime because that's that's part of my homework. That's kind of the easiest way to learn it sometimes, too, is hearing it as well, right? Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Brandon Matsumoto told me that's that's how he said he that's how he learned. Pretty quickly. Yeah. I'm sure, yeah. So keep going with that. I have a lot of recommendations if people want to get into, into anime. I'm always here. But uh, besides that, I'm the rest of the month, I'm going to focus on some more stuff, and I'm going to try and go above and beyond those goals. Um, I have my February goals planned out, and I definitely piled on a lot more, um, especially with job applications. So I've been applying to jobs, and that's going well. Um, but yeah, I'm prioritizing JavaScript and learning the new tech and trying to incorporate it into my website. And also, just get more into this green goal. I anticipated it just being like, I'm going to contribute $10 a month or just like some time a month, which I am doing a community service event next week. But it's actually been a lot more fun to get into and it, i think it's super super important um if you guys follow along on instagram my one minute week in review i left you with a quote which i got from connor's sister sam i'm gonna read it again because i want to talk a little bit more about it which the quote is we don't need a handful of people doing zero waste perfectly we need millions of people doing it imperfectly and it's by Anne marie bonneau who i don't know who that is but she said it really perfectly or imperfectly both are good <laughs> <laughs> um and I like it for two reasons. One, if you're an average everyday person like me and you think about this stuff a lot, you get in your head a lot. You think that you like have so much power over the fate of the world in this respect and you really don't, but it, it is that serious, right? Because it's if you look at all the reports, it's not good. We're not going the right direction. I'm hopeful for this year and hopeful for the direction that our, our country is gonna be going down. But either way, it's still very bleak. And I get in my head a lot about it. But this quote makes me feel a little bit better. And I hope it makes you feel better because you don't have to be perfect. Just do it imperfectly. Yeah, you know, there's a, a beach off the coast of California called Glass Beach. Have you heard of it? I haven't. Glass Beach is literally made of trash. Because the plastic uh, breaks down and, and beats down into glass. It's like clearness. You have to look it up. Uh, it'll Obviously, it's already shook you a little bit. <laughs> looking at yeah, your face. I, my, um, my jaw literally dropped. Check it out. It's actually, it's, I won't say it's cool to look at. It's not cool the fact that it actually happened, but yeah. um, it's actually pretty. So <laughs> that's the only reason why I bring it up. One, it's bad. Two, it's actually really pretty. So take a look at it. 
uh, inform you about. Yeah, it's remarkable. But uh, yeah, no, it's stuff like that that I'm I'm flabbergasted by both for its beautifulness, but also because it's just it's shitty that we've come that far as a human race and we've done stuff like that. Um, the second thing is with that quote, um, the root of the problem doesn't lie with us, it lies with big corporations and the government. So I highly recommend, I listened to a podcast this week uh, called Reply, Reply All, and the episode was A Song of Impotent Rage. The entire episode was this guy who has a lot more anxiety about this than I do. Like he has a severe case of like dread about climate change, and he's a podcast host, and he has a bigger podcast than us, which we'll get there one day, but that's irrelevant <laughs> to the point. <laughs> And he pretty much went around and like interviewed people about what's going on and got a little bit of hope. And he made, he created a song. That's the song of Impotent Rage. It's literally like a, a very catchy, upbeat kind of like song, but it's talking, the lyrics are terrible. It's lyrics about the <laughs> environment, but it's like talking about how corporations need to change. And I think it's a really good, fun way to learn about climate change and makes you feel a little bit better because it's not presented in such a gloom and doom fashion, even though it, the content is gloom and doom. I don't know. It just made me feel better. Yeah, I did think it was pretty interesting that a lot of what you and Sam talked or Sam gave you that quote about um, the environment. But I thought what was very interesting is that, you know, how much we actually recycle that doesn't actually get recycled because we don't actually handle it properly. And so those tips that I don't know if you want to repeat those, but those tips that you gave out were pretty handy. And I think that, you know, if you do really care about the environment, it's not about just putting it in the bin. There's also some mechanics behind it that help um, help make sure that it actually gets recycled. Yeah, I'll repeat it for everyone, but I, I agree. Definitely look up to see what's in your area. Um, I know it applies to the West Coast and SF, but this, this company does along the West Coast. Had a really easy website, really easy tool to use. Um, I'll put in the link for the description of the episode, but the three tips I gave is that styrofoam is not recyclable, which I grew up thinking it was, so make sure you throw it away. Um, the other thing is shredded paper, put it in a, in a sealed paper bag and label it shredded paper and put it in, in the rest of the, in the bin. And the last one that I think is the most important, but they're all equally important. Um, plastics go in a clear plastic bag. Like so pretty much you're sorting it before it gets there. So that way it makes their job easier that they, they can actually sort it. Uh, the fundamental problem that I think is happening is that there's so much recyclables and not enough people to actually sort and make sure it goes to the right places. And it's not economically um, sound to actually recycle those things, which sucks because it's not economic sound, but it's like we kind of need to save the planet at the same time. So Yeah. I mean, I, when I went and visited my sister in Colorado, uh, it was a big slap in the face because I didn't really know how much goes into recycling and how much Colorado actually is very green compared to a Boston. <laughs> um, so it's very <laughs> interesting when you go to a different different state and you see the fundamentals be a little bit different here. And it's, it's eye-opening, you know, it shows that there is room for a lot of change that needs to happen. And it's cool to see uh, the, the evolvement of it as well. Even in New York, we put our recyclables and our compost even in a, like a select area and all the buildings, apartment buildings out here have to hire somebody or go through it themselves and actually separate everything and put it into what, as Derek was mentioning, the clear bags or the not clear bags or however it's supposed to be. And so there's actually people that make a living just strictly going through all the buildings, recyclables around in different neighborhoods. And it's pretty crazy because if you don't do that as an apartment building, you get fined some serious amount of money around here. So I, I guess they do take it pretty serious here. Very surprising. That's probably why you see street all or trash all over the street around here is because every day they have a new person picking up the or different kind of recycling or the trash or whatever it is. Yeah, I, you, that's actually you made me think about Seattle. It's the same thing with composting. If you don't have a certain percentage of compost to trash ratio, you get fined for it, which is I love hearing that stuff. So yeah, that's how the the month has gone. Um, I implore my fellow baguette boys, you lean into me. Let, let me have it if you guys want to challenge me at all. Is there anything that's maybe giving you a roadblock or something that you might be spending more time on rather than your goals? Or is there anything kind of diverting you from your goals that you might be able to talk about? Yeah, actually very much so. I think my goals are our quote unquote on track, on track, but I think with a lot of things going on, in the world right now, it's very distracting, um, and not in a in a bad way because of the events that are happening and how sad things are. 
Um, when this episode comes out, it'll be Martin Luther King Jr. Day, which I think is is appropriate for everything going on and just a, a symbol of of hope and um, and of ownership. You know, just uh, taking ownership of like your you. I don't just everything. It's just like that encompassing feeling of responsibility. And uh, what I'm going with this is just like it's been hard with with all the events that happened with the I'm just gonna say it, with the insurrection, with all the violence happening. I've been watching videos, and it's just it's really hard. As an American citizen, to to really think that this is my country, you know, we're we're we grow up on the idea of like we're the greatest nation, we have such high values, and like to see this happen is really really sad. Where I'm going with this is kind of a good segue for us to go into our challenge, which is have a, a curious conversation with someone you disagree with. Um, I took this the very political way, and I tried I've tried all year actually to talk to the side of my family that we're on air, so I'm not going to badmouth them. As I'm going to try not to badmouth them. But it's just it's just tough. I when I when I do try to have a conversation with them, I am I try to be as cordial as possible. I said, hey, we haven't talked in a while. I just I would just want to talk. And I think it'd be good for us. I'm very curious. Um, I, I literally said, like, I hear about you through my mom, but I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to talk to you because um, the other side of it is that one particular side of my family is is all I have left to my dad. Like, I don't have a lot of family from my dad's side and his his side of the family are very much Republican, which is fine. I, Republicans aren't, aren't bad, but like, I, I want to understand the, what they're thinking with all the madness going on, because this is madness. This is crazy madness anyways. Yeah. And I've tried with other people, in my family to no avail, which I'm, I guess I'm kind of happy about too, because I don't know if I want to have those conversations. <laughs> sure. I mean, that makes sense because at the end of the day, you don't watch the news only to pick up one side of it, right? You want to pick up all sides of it. And so, I mean, to be educated, you definitely need to see all sides. You need to understand and you need to be able to have certain conversations. And, you know, obviously the challenge gives us an opportunity to do that, but also, you know, really following up by, you know, bringing it up and having these deep conversations is important. And I think to your point, like you definitely try to do that this month or this week and, yeah, I think it's we definitely are living it through a an interesting time where there's a lot of change going on, and you can kind of think back to when Martin Luther King was um, was alive and going through all the dreams, uh, or sorry, all the speeches about <laughs> him having a dream. Um, you know, all those speeches and all those things that were going on. You know, we're very we're living through probably one of the bigger time periods where. Um, this is kind of being re- resurrected and, and pushed forward. And it's it's pretty incredible to be a part of it. And it's pretty incredible to, uh, you know, be firsthand witnessing this. And, you know, you're, we're witnessing history in front of us. And uh, we're part of it in some cases, you know, um, with all the Black Lives Matter going on. And, uh, you know, I know a lot of us were supporting. And so I definitely think we've been, you know, a part of that, part of history. And it's it's very cool to part of it i'm not one to be shy away from my feelings so i just want to let the listeners know i i, I posted a lot on instagram in general and i posted a lot some last night and i i don't know i just want to make it known that i if you are out there feeling lost angry or sad i'm right there with you um and you should not feel the need to censor yourself if you have those feelings i'm not trying to be on my soapbox actually probably i am a little bit and this is my soapbox so i'm gonna take full charge of it but i i, I felt also like bad that i was so aggressive and like with my feelings on social media but at the same time like this is some terrible stuff going on like we literally had terrorists try to take over the capital like i don't know how other way to put it and like the the saddest thing to me about this whole situation is that those people thought they were being true patriots like that's that's like level like the, the biggest brainwashing of their lives and a lot of them afterwards i watched a video sorry i'm gonna go, i'm going down this on a full rabbit hole watch watch this video of this woman say i i want the president to pardon me she's like i'm being sentenced right now i'm like i, I should not be going through this i was just listening to the president and he's like i, I think the president should pardon me and i just like I, it's just it's just mind-boggling that this is happening and i just hate it because we have such technological advances advances where you could literally do anything you want in the world learn anything you want and this stuff happens. I yeah, it's just it's just terrifying. And I I wish people from both sides would talk about it more and be okay with talking about their feelings. 
but yeah, not everyone is me and has this soapbox and no shame. <laughs> I think it's just really embarrassing. You know, you said it, you said it right. I mean, we, we've been grown up to think that this is the greatest country in the world. And I have yet to think that, you know, where it's embarrassing to see how separated we are and how developed I put that in air quotes we are, but you know, where's the development in the, in the human mind? We still are coming with the same problems over and over again. And it's, it's quite embarrassing. We spent a lot of time in a lot of different conflicts out there and other third part, third world countries to deal with civil unrest and things like that. And this is the one time where we've probably in our lifetime, at least where we've seen the civil unrest within the, our own country being so big. And, and I think it's very interesting that we're, we're witnessing this and there was a guy I was watching. I think it popped up on Buzzfeed, <laughs> Buzzfeed, but I thought it was actually pretty good. And basically, there was a ex um, U.S. military. I don't know, you know, what he what his name is, but he was basically saying it is very interesting and very painful to watch all of our National Guard and Army personnel within the Capitol itself because of the psychological um, feelings that these, you know, U.S. Army people are get, actually facing, because they're getting handed guns to potentially have to protect the Capitol, and they're protecting them against other U.S. Americans, and that psychological thought process is very disturbing. And I thought it was a very—I um, don't know if he was Republican or Democrat or what—but he was speaking facts on this is very disturbing as a u.s military uh person uh, ex-veteran or veteran and he can only imagine you know how those people feel and that uh you know this is a very troubling time in our in our country it really is and i will gladly go down this topic for a long time but to bring it back to our journey to success i will say the reason why this affected me affects me so much with my goals is that it's hard to kind of keep going with my goals because they seem so superficial compared to what's going on. Like, I know I have faith our country is going to survive because we have people out there fighting the good fight. And, you know, like, I'm sorry, I'm if you look like Trump, I'm sorry, I'm just saying like he you got a peach for a second time for a reason. And like people are doing that stuff because it's, it sets a precedent that we can't have. But it just it just sucks when the fabric of your country is kind of being stretched and like this is this is where i grew up you know and i i love this place and even though it's definitely not the greatest right now i this is my home and i want it to be the greatest nation on earth um, because i do have pride in my country and I, I love where i'm from and i i think everyone listening to this if you're from america it's hard to but have pride and have faith yeah definitely i definitely agree have faith and uh guess it kind of leads us into our our topic is uh you also need to whoa. own you own, whoa, 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 own whoa, whoa. your oh oh go ahead uh, host i mean we reviewed my challenge from last week we gotta we gotta review you guys's on some level right well we just spent 10 minutes talking about your challenge so uh okay. yeah i mean we definitely i definitely did have this conversation very very similar to yours but with my family um my close family so my parents and my brother but basically um, I don't know that it was necessarily disagreements or anything like that, but it was just more of like insightful conversation about certain politics and kind of what's going on. I think where we kind of stand on it is just that, unfortunately, we just don't have like a third party or a fourth party out there that you can really vote on. You know, we're basically 50. You can, you only have really two choices um, for your vote to matter the most. And... Um, it's just kind of that's kind of the sucky feeling because you don't necessarily you might not necessarily agree completely with one side or the other and you have no middle option and that's that sucks <laughs> um but yeah that's uh, that's kind of our, what our conversation was holistically about libertarians holding stance they're the third <laughs> coming in strong way behind the party which is tough i mean I think that's so true. I think a lot of people have those those viewpoints and and don't want to side with the side, but that's the only way that it has to go right now. I will say, you, someone's indecision is a decision in itself. So if you can't make a choice, that's your choice. 
but good. I think that's that's really powerful, Richie, that you talk to your family about that. And it's tough when people have different opinions and you love them. So good job, man. Yeah, my, my challenge, I didn't, uh, my challenge, the challenge, I didn't really talk specifically about politics side of it. I like to really dig into Jill's mind. Um, she has a great perspective on a lot of things and she challenges my viewpoint a lot. So I'll have a lot of conversation with her. But when I talk to my family about a lot of this stuff, my dad's kind of the one to like sit back and listen and kind of gather the information and not be like one of the first people to speak. And I've kind of adapted that methodology in a sense, you know, not trying to be a judge, but be a witness and not be the one to dictate how the conversation goes, but kind of sit back and, and observe and listen to a lot of things. And that's really helped me develop a mind of, you know, active listening and taking in a lot of information to develop my own thought. And so I thought that was a good challenge. And that's kind of where I've been going with a lot of the conversations I've been having over the past couple of years is trying to challenge my own mindset on a lot of these things and to further grow my own, to just feel better about how I stand on a lot of things. Cause sometimes we do a lot of following and, you know, Oh, I agree with this. Let me follow with this, these people. And we don't really kind of step into our own path in some instances. So that's kind of where I took that challenge. And I always, always try to develop my mind a little bit more by challenging my thoughts against other people's. That's tight. I mean, that's a really kick-ass relationship you have with Jill. You can do that throwback to last week when we talked about Jill a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nice. All right. Well, Richie, now you can, now we can go to the main topic. I uh, know you got it. You got it. <laughs> cool. All right. So now we'll get back into our regularly scheduled programming, which today is a fun topic. We're talking about ownership. We are continuing to set sail on that ship the third episode of the series. And I think this is gonna be a fun one because there's a lot to talk about. I have an outline of things we we should hit. Um, and first I wanna start off with the, the big, the big, big stuff, ownership of your dreams. We all have some pretty big dreams here. And the hardest thing to do is make those dreams reality, right? Dreams usually stay that way because they're in your head and you don't really grasp that you need to make them happen. So, um, I actually want to ask Connor first because I know he had a really big dream in his life that he took a lot of ownership in. And I just want to hear his thought on on taking ownership of that, that goal. Yeah, I mean, like everybody's kid's dream is to play a sport for their for their living, you know? Um, I think we all kind of imagine that as we are young kids and say, you know, you can do anything you want. But I don't think it was really until college where I took ownership of that dream, which is kind of funny because I kind of I kind of passed by in high school with talent. And I never really challenged myself to get better. Not like I do nowadays. Like if I were to give my, some advice to my high school self, it would definitely be, you know, challenge, challenge yourself a lot more. Um, but when I got into college, it, that's when it really set, set the stone for me. Like, oh, I really want to try to make this happen. I want to take ownership of this dream, which is, you know, to get paid to play soccer, which is, which is awesome. And, you know, I, I took advantage of that. And then I really found out that it wasn't necessarily the thing that I wanted to do, but I was able to put everything I could into it, get a little dip, a uh, taste of it and understand that I wasn't really doing it for, you know, for, for certain reasons that should drive you when it's your dream. And that's kind of how I've developed into a different path. And that's the cool thing about life is you kind of just kind of get to weave and weave and bob throughout life and, and find <laughs> goals and dreams you take advantage of. You mentioned ownership and taking and taking ownership over your goals when you were in college. Mm -hmm. Can you talk a little bit about what that meant? What did you actually do to take ownership? Um, I got a slap in the face, really, about soccer. You know, I went into college thinking I knew everything. And when I transferred over to Springfield, I quickly went to the other side of it and said, wow, I really didn't know a thing about the sport. And that's what kind of really drove the ownership of wanting to do something because I had spent all this time learning one way and it challenged my viewpoint. It made me a different player. And that's what kind of fueled me a little bit. And I got to see that, you know, me fully take charge of it. And that's kind of what happened in college that kind of just drove that dream and tried to make it into a reality. Did you feel like you had to give anything up when you started taking it a lot more seriously for sure yeah 
I definitely, because it was going to be a lot more demanding than what I was already putting in. That's what I, that's what I didn't realize. You know, when you, when you get into certain situations and nobody around you has ever been in that situation, you kind of have to go with whatever your gut is telling you, especially if you're not reaching out to other people and asking for advice, you kind of just go with the tide. You kind of don't really know what's happening, but you're going to try your best in every situation you get in. And then when it challenges you, you have to adapt to those situations. So I want to dive in a little bit further on specifically what you owned. You have practice, you have games, you have all these things. Mm -hmm. What did you do to own it beyond that? I mean, if we're getting really specific with the actual soccer component of it. Really specific. Yeah, it was like reading books that were challenging my mental side of it. So the the, uh, sports psychology part of it, we had uh, books that we had to read. We had homework that we had to do. We had kind of almost essays that we had to write. We would do individual film practice along with team film practice. And uh, on top of that was doing, you know, one-on-one sessions or just, you know, little small groups that we'd go out into the field. And if you add up the time of the day, plus all the schoolwork, you're leaving yourself with minimal time to do anything else. That's where the sacrificing comes in uh, of wanting to just kind of put your head down and, and, and own that stuff. Now, how many hours a week do you think that you'd spend on that goal or dream? It was probably a full-time job in college. And did it feel like a job? Of course not, because it was something that I loved to do. I think that's a key takeaway right there. That's why I wanted to get to that, is because if you're passionate about something, and I never really understood it when I was a kid, when you're passionate about something, it doesn't really feel like work. Mom, everybody says to you, and you're like, what the hell does that even mean? Until you're in the dream, until you figure out the thing that you're really, really passionate about, and then you're like, oh yeah, I could work a hundred hours a week on this and it wouldn't really feel like that much work because I love doing this so much. Did you feel that way? A hundred percent. And that's that you're right. It's a, that's a great takeaway to take from it. And something I wish I had known being a younger self of mine is, you know, putting in the work, like what else are you going to do as a kid? <laughs> you know? Yeah, no, no doubt. And just to give a, an example on the other side of the spectrum where Connor had this goal and dream ever since he was a kid and yeah in high school he didn't take it as seriously but he that that's what he was working towards and that's the the, the dream he he wanted to have realized um when i thought about this topic and about myself made me a little sad because i never really had a dream like that growing up um i told connor and richie before this episode that my smart ass answer when people ask me what do you want to do when you grow up and i was like oh i want to be successful <laughs> and like that I, like that's that's just who I was and I would say a little bit of who I still am but mostly who I was and now I really like I feel that passion and love when I'm chasing this dream of like building websites and like it was silly and I made my website and now I feel a lot better doing it and it's just I, I see that so yeah Richie, thank you for putting it that way I think sometimes with the dream aspect is a lot of us have that dream but we don't know when or how to take action on that dream so that's why it always stays a dream. And I think that was my mindset for a while coming out of high school. And my first, my first college was that it was, it was there. Like I definitely wanted it, but like I was saying, I didn't really know the paths I needed to take. And I think a lot of people get stuck in that mindset of, I don't know where to go. I want to take that step. I want to make that dream reality, but where's the first step? And I think we all bottle that up because we're embarrassed to ask for that help to, to guide ourselves or to get some type of mentorship for it, you know? No doubt. I can say that that applies to me and, and this dream of just building websites and this whole vision I have for myself. It, it was scary, but I'm glad I'm taking ownership and, you know, trying to pursue it with all I got. But anyways, Vichy, what about, what about your dreams? In high school, I was very much like Connor. Connor played soccer. I played baseball. And so for me, I took high school pretty serious. I took it really serious. I played uh, every weekend doing extra stuff, nothing, not, not necessarily score related or anything. Go to the baseball, go to the diamond early and practice as much as I could do anything I could to practice by myself. And the reason I did that is because one of my coaches in high school was telling me like, yeah, you know, there's one guy, he's a famous baseball player. I don't know if you know who his name is, but Manny Ramirez. And he, every day he would hit a, you know, a couple hundred balls off the tee and he would do this and that. And so I would do that every morning. And so I did a lot of that kind of stuff. And then um, had a pretty terrible senior year, played super bad, put a lot of pressure on myself and just kind of choked. 
and ended up, you know, just going down the school route. And for whatever reason, like I got, a, I got a walk-on tryout, recruited walk-on tryout at, at college and I got cut. And for whatever reason, I couldn't really just like drop that dream. And so people were like, well, you should just drop that dream. Like, it doesn't make any sense. You just like, you can't, like, I don't understand why you can't give this up. Like it's a childhood dream of yours. And the dream was really to just play in college. It was not necessarily ever to play in the pros, although that would obviously be awesome. But it was really to just play in college because I played travel baseball from the age of eight to, you know, when I was in college, so 10 years, 10 years of travel baseball. So 10 years on top of regular baseball that you play, I played year round baseball too on top of it. And so by my junior year, uh, my sophomore year, I tried to recruit and walk on. I played all over the summers and everything too. By my junior year, like Connor said, I could, didn't really know what I was going to do, but I knew I needed to play in college or else like my college would have felt uh, unsatisfied. I would not have felt satisfied if I didn't play in college. And because of it, it was such a big dream of mine. So I did have to like research and do a bunch of stuff to determine how I could do this. But I ended up going to two colleges at the same time and just so I could play baseball. And um, yeah, I mean, I graduated on time and everything worked out, but it was definitely one of those heartache kind of things. I had to figure out and make a lot of sacrifice and do all these different things. And people thought I was crazy doing it. And, you know, every day I'd have to travel like 30 miles each way and do all these crazy things just so I could play. And like the reason I was asking Connor about all these passion questions is because it wasn't really that big of a deal to me at the time. It was just, well, I really want to play and I really want to do these things. And I really want to do this because this has been a dream of mine for so long and it was super hard. But at the end of the day, when I look back on it, I made some really good friends and I did all these things. And when I look back on college, if I didn't do that, I would have hated college. Like I think I would have looked, looked back on it and not, and just been like so unsatisfied with my college experience. And so it was super, it was great. I spent a lot of hours doing it, but when I look back on it, I wouldn't have changed a thing. Whew. Let me like that. Let me just say you, you fired me up with how passionately you just talked about that. And you, uh, I don't know. I, I dropped the mic if it wasn't attached to this uh, arm. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely hit, uh, hit the nail on the coffin there, man. I mean, you, you made that dream a reality no matter what it took. And I know how, how time consuming it was in college for you to make that happen. But you, like you said to me, if it's, it's a, if it's a dream, it's in passion, you know, nothing's really going to stand in the way for that. And that's important to, to take away too. When I hear Gary V talk about, you have these dreams, stop just thinking they're not realistic and just start making actions towards them. It hits home when I think about college and baseball and I think the tough part now is finding the passion post baseball into something that I'm super passionate about mm-hmm. and, and then taking ownership theme. That's our topic. Oh. And, uh, Ooh, and you know, taking ownership to get to where I want to be. I think it's difficult to f- refine that passion though. I think it is hard, but you have to own it and uh, continue to make strides to figure out what it's going to be. And that's why we, we always just say like, go try something new, go try new things all the time because you never, never, you never know what you're going to find passion in. Like Derek didn't know before this year started that he was going to be passionate about his green goal, but he is now. You just heard him talk about it for like 20 minutes. True. (laughs) That's, uh, yeah. And that's also another good segue into the next thing I want to talk about with ownership is actually ownership of your actions. Richie said that verbatim to, to work towards those dreams. And it's a really important thing. And I think it's arguably more important than ownership of your dreams because your actions are the day-to-day thing that you're, you're doing. Um, so I want to open up a little thought piece for you, with you guys because I heard something on a podcast, another podcast that applies. It's from uh, the podcast Hidden Brain. They pretty much, it's like a psychological podcast. They do psychological studies. And pretty much the psychologist came on and she said, this is tested through, through trials. People judge themselves inwardly, but they judge others by actions. So when you think about yourself and everything you do, you take into account your thoughts, your thoughts about other things, your thoughts about anything else. You're like, I know who I innately am. That's what I'm gonna judge myself by. But when you judge other people, you're judging their actions. What do you guys think about that? 
Um, I mean, for me, I mean, Derek, you said last podcast, like I'm always like, do you be you because you have to be authentic because usually my thoughts represent my actions. And so I want my actions to represent me. And so I completely understand that quote, but that's how I would spin it off and apply it to being as, you know, own your shit, like do your, do your own thing. Like, but make sure you are you, who you are when you go through that stuff. I'm a strong believer in the phrase actions speak a lot louder than words. So I do think that makes sense. I think we are also very hard on ourselves. <laughs> so it's also, you also cut yourself a lot of breaks. I think Connor talked about it in like two episodes ago, like breaking promises with yourself. And so I think you inherently know who, who you are because you have this, you work hard, but you're also cut yourself some slack. But, and so you know yourself really well, or maybe you don't. And you're trying to find yourself. But I think when you t- look at somebody, you look at them based off of their actions. And I do think that actions do speak louder than words. And so it's important to um, think beyond just actions sometimes. You are your own worst critic. I think that was the best, uh, one of the best quotes that I read last year. Or maybe it was the year before, but one of the most recent ones. But I really love that because we are so, so hard on ourselves. Like sometimes we say things to ourselves that we would never say to other people. <laughs> And that really is so true. That's really damaging. So true. It totally is. And the other thing that Richie said it very well about is like, besides being your own critic, you kind of break those promises with yourself. And I think it's because in your head, you're like, I know who I innately am. And like, just because I don't do this doesn't, doesn't define who I am. I know I define who I am, which is good. But I do think this highlights a point that actions play a huge role in your success. Like you don't really become successful unless you take the actions to become towards that which is a fundamental part of like viewing other people. So I, I, I personally think I need to revise my definition of success because based off this, this conversation, I think there's an external factor that I've missed in mind, but yeah. What do you think about the quote, fake it till you make it? Oh baby, that was me for like most of my life. <laughs> I think that's kind of everybody at some point until they realize you can't really fake it anymore. <laughs> oh, dude. Gary Vee also talks about it where he's like, you, you fake it till you make it is the worst advice. And it was, I used to love that so much. I was like, Shh, as long as I make it, baby, that's all that matters. doesn't matter how you get there. I was, I'm just curious. Cause you know, that's completely the opposite of like owning your shit. It does hit that quote though. It's like, you are ma- taking those actions to, to get there, but you're not owning your shit. I don't think you can fake it till you make it. But I also believe that you should believe in yourself. And so depending on how you phrase the fake it till you make it, I do think that you should inherently believe in yourself more than you realistically give yourself credit. Because if you give yourself a little bit of credit, then you're probably way better and smarter than you think. More handsome, just like Derek. You're more handsome than you think, buddy. I saw a quote the other day and it said, you're 20% more more good looking than you give yourself credit for. Which means I'm a sexy ass man, right? <laughs> and so I'm gonna take that 20% and apply it to the rest of my life and say, yeah, I'm 20% smarter than I think I am. I'm 20%, you know, more baller than I thought I was. So, Ooh, you know, dude, Richie, you're hyping me up so much this episode. It's like if there's a winner of the episode, I think it goes to you. Damn, don't do this to me right now. <laughs> you're making me blush. Yeah, cool. Well, so the last thing I want to talk about uh, for ownership of your actions, I actually wanted to bring up an, uh, an example of what happened between the three of us that had a very big, profound effect on my entire life. Um, dun, dun, had, dun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had a, we used to go to this thing called Camp Whittle and had a ton of fun. And when you got into the older age range, you, you like played pranks and like literally the camp counselors played pranks on you, especially as us, as we were like 16 year olds playing, being guys, we played pranks on the girls. Everyone just pranked each other. And it was a ton of fun, but um, a bunch of us, we, we, subjectively took it too far but what happened was like we we pranked the girls in the middle of the night they screamed in the middle of the night so the camp counselors came running like we can't have 16 year old girls screaming in the middle of the night like this is not okay and we all ran inside we were in all our beds and i was like oh as long as we don't say anything we're good we like we just gotta stay in our beds and nothing's gonna happen and out of my corner of my eye i see connor get up and he's like yep i, I was a part of it like i like i'm i'm taking i i'm taking the consequences because i was in that group and like i I, i'm owning my shit and i remember sitting there in my bed like first i was like what what the fuck is this guy doing we're we're in the clear right now 
and after a while, I was like, you know what? He's he's right. Like we I, like I don't think anything bad is going to come of it from it, but we sh- we should own up to our actions, and it, it had a really big effect on me. Why do you think that it had a big effect on you? I just like like it. Hmm. It was something so trivial because it really had no effect on our long-term future. Like no one got hurt, but I was like, oh, we got away with the prank. They're not going to catch us. Like we all have no consequences. And I just want to get, get away free and just want to live my life, have fun, live with my boys. And like, that's it. But I realized like by Connor doing that, it kind of highlighted to me that we, we violated the counselor's trust in this whole prank system. And to me that that was more important. Right, like we we were close to them. I'm not gonna say his last name, but Chris, he was dope. He was such he was like the best camp counselor I feel like we ever had, and he was there for us. And like, like I don't know, we just had that trust with them. And and Connor was like, you know what, like I I'm a man. I'm owning my shit. I'm 16, but I'm a man. And I was like, man, I I admire that. Damn, wow. I didn't know that it stuck with you that much. That's it did. I'm telling you, day, man. I mean, they got us back for that. They, they did. did prank us pretty hard back for that. <laughs> and yeah, Anyone want to? You guys want to elucidate the listeners on what happened? No. If they no. want to know, they can reach out to us and yeah. DM us. Time of time of day of prank is important. Let's just make that a note. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, to be clear, nothing bad happened. Nobody got hurt. I think it was yeah. just like a silly string or something. Kids, 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 kids having fun, but you know. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Anyways. Well, we'll uh, move on. I don't know if we have a ton of time to talk about everything we wanted to talk about, unless you guys want to keep going. But I'll let you guys choose. The other two things I wanted to talk about was ownership of your thoughts or mental health or ownership of your role on a team. I personally like the ownership of your role on a team because that applies in any setting. I think we've spoken about this prior in a different podcast. Um, I I can't be entirely sure on it, but I would like to dive deeper in that because a lot of the times people want to either take full control of it or, you know, uh, piggyback off somebody else's work or hard work for that matter. And I think it doesn't apply in just, you know, a sports setting where I think a lot of us apply that team concept, but now we're starting to apply that team concept into the workplace and knowing your role on your workplace team or in general. And I think that's a, a good thing that we should talk about and discuss further. And we can earmark the the other topic for a future episode with a special guest. So we'll, uh, we'll hold off on that one for later. Ownership of your role on a team it is. Yeah, I agree with you, Con, that it's, um, it's very important. And I think it's a lot more applicable than we realize, especially for non-sports people. All of our jobs, unless you work for yourself, in which case, even if you work for yourself, you're still working with other people. And there's still roles you have to play. And I think for me, the, the bottom line is that there is a certain goal you're trying to reach and you have to understand what's the best way to, to get to that goal. It might not entail you being the man or the woman, but it might be the best way to get to that goal. I think that's something we should all strive for. Big time. I like the, uh, I like the point of to make like trusting your, your team too and, and, and owning that part of it. That way everybody, everybody knows exactly what's happening and that's how you create the flow and we go back to all, all of these concepts that we've applied in maybe even season one, and we can apply it to owning your opportunity and owning your role on that specific team. And there's always ways to adjust, but you have to earn that trust. And the only way to earn that trust is doing your part and being a part of your team and own that shit. Yeah. And this is something that came off the top of my head, but I think a good way to prove to your team that you're really in it for the long run is like, don't, don't take into account like petty history or anything like that. Be the bigger person. Be like, hey, I want to be here. I want. I'm gonna do this because I want our team to succeed. Even if there's like some sort of weird office drama, I think it says a lot if you like, hey, I'm a part of this team here and now in this present moment. Just to add to that, I think less than know your role. I think it's more specific in my mind around knowing your strengths and your weaknesses and being able to when you don't when you're not necessarily strong in something or if there's somebody else on your team that's stronger at something, be okay to give that power away to them. Because I think oftentimes, you know, we think that we're really good at something, but we also might want to learn something or we might, this person might be better at it. 
than we actually are. And so oftentimes I think, um, you know, be, be comfortable, you know, giving some of that power away is, is important and something to think about. I have a follow-up question for that and either of you guys can take it, but have you guys ever been in that a situation like that where you feel like your power has been taken away or you feel like someone has slighted you on your team? I have, I don't, I don't think, I don't think I've experienced that maybe on like a sports team sure. in a younger, in a younger era, era, <laughs> at a younger age. <laughs> Um, I think, I think if I find that more in the immaturity side of things. So I find that to be more on the younger side of, of things. Yeah. I can, I can think I can recall to a couple of teams that I've been on where that's happened. I don't think that I want to rephrase that question. Actually. I think that what you're asking is more along the lines of, if I know my strengths and weaknesses, uh, do I kind of feel upset if I give up that power in some way? I think is kind of what I'm getting at. Um, I definitely felt that way when I was growing up and playing sports. You always think that you're, you always have to have the confidence that you're the best and whether or not you're actually that good is something totally different, but you have to have the confidence. <laughs> that back. Yeah. Um, in baseball, you baseball, you bat 300 and that means you failed seven out of 10 times. And so that's pretty crazy. So you have to have that mentality of like, I'm the best. And sure. even though you're still failing seven out of 10 times, which is pretty insane. But, you know, ultimately, I think that in the business place, I don't necessarily get that too much, but I do feel um, I do feel like it's strange sometimes. Like, for instance, give you guys a little bit about how the sausage is made. Derek does a lot of our project management, even though I work in project management. And half (laughs) of it is half of it is that I'm just like, yeah, I don't want to do this on my spare time. And the other half of it is like, you're really good at it. So why don't you do it? Like, you're, you're pretty organized and you're pretty good at this. You can take it. (laughs) <laughs> and and that way we both get more experience doing different things also. Like, yeah, it, it just makes it a little bit more fun. But then also like Derek is doing a lot of, he's doing his design resume. You guys have been hearing that. He's been working on Photoshop. I bet you, if you follow our Instagram, you can figure out what he's been doing on Photoshop. So, <laughs> I mean, just, I mean, we're all just taking these other roles and we're doing these different things, but it all is towards something and it's always going to lead to something. Like Connor, you're doing all this. You're trying to make these goals of mixing, but you're also, mixing all of our voices together to make our audio every single day or every single week. So, you know, it's, it's all relative. And I think it's all about just like getting other experience and knowing your strengths and weaknesses and knowing when you start a new project, like, do you want to learn something? Do you want to try something and, and be comfortable with that? And, you know, it, it sometimes does feel really uncomfortable when Derek takes the project management, but I'm like, Oh, I have to, this is my chance to not be the project manager. So like, I need to step back. So it's cool. Totally. Dude, I'm, I'm telling you, Richie, you're, you're firing me up this entire episode. Like, <laughs> um, might be. <laughs> no, it's, I, I love it. I love it. But I, yeah, another thing I want to point out is uh, combining ownership of your role on a team and ownership of your actions. Because I think when you have that feeling of your power being taken away on a team and you're like just in this vulnerable state, if you're not an athlete, athletes are like, even though they, they put a chip on their shoulder, right? That's what Richie was talking about. Like you got to be the best person out there. But if you're not that, the quote that I always like hearing is don't talk about it, be about it. Actions speak louder than words. If you really think that you were slighted or you are uncomfortable with this new role, like just do your best and let your actions speak for themselves is the best thing I could say. Do you think that your favorite basketball players ever, and you can name them, took that approach? Don't talk about it, be about it? Yes. Without a doubt. I mean, that the, the reason why my favorite players are my favorite players is because I like that. Damian Lillard is probably my favorite you? player. Damian Lillard, LeBron James. Um, Kobe. Probably it for, MJ, yeah, yeah, you got to. He's a legend. But all the all the ones that I look up to the most, I actually look up to Damian Lillard a lot because I hate saying it, he's never going to be like. I don't think he's ever going to be MVP. I don't think he's ever going to be like the man in the NBA. But he owns his shit. He you, he walks in the room, you're like, oh shit, Dame Dallas here. Like a lot of other players, you don't get that. Yep. Yeah, I think Kobe definitely had that chip on his shoulder. Not only that, I mean, he just crazy work ethic because every single day he'd put in that, put in that effort. And, you know, he wasn't the first overall pick and yeah, he was, he was coming in hot and he, he had something to prove and every single day he'd try to get better. 
I think a lot of people carry that chip on their shoulder when they're an athlete. And I think it's a good thing to have, but you also have to, you know, not let that chip weigh too much. You also gotta, you gotta have fun in life too. It's not just, everything's not just about, you know, your career and, you know, trying to prove a point. It's also just about, you know, having fun and making sure that you're passionate about the thing that you're passionate about and trying to push towards success. Um, like we said at the beginning, like if you're passionate about it, then it's not, it doesn't feel like work at all. So you know, try to figure out what that is and go after or something. I concur. Cool. All right. Well, I will close this out unless you guys have anything else on ownership. You guys want to get in there? No, nah, I don't have anything. Just own your shit, boy. Poor girl. <laughs> Poor girl. All righty. So let's, uh, let's do our challenge for this week. I'm going to give the best shot bell self cards another shot um they didn't go super well last week we ended up with a pretty good challenge though but we'll see how it goes all right pick it draw it shout out mama foster for the best self co um what are they cards challenge cards yeah yeah i think we already do this <laughs> record a video of your goals and share with others well, we did it challenge the group we did it but if you're listening this one's for you. Yeah, you want to do that? For sure. All right. You can send it to us. Just oh. DM it to us. All right. So if you're listening out there, the challenge is record a video of your goals and share with others. You don't want to share with your friends and family? The Baguette Boys got you. We are always here for you. Damn and right. That, can anyway. you say it in a deeper voice? <clears throat> you need someone to share it with. The Big Eye Boys are here for you, girl. <laughs> Damn, there it is. <laughs> All right, with that, eat a baguette on Mondays, every Monday. Don't forget to eat that wheat, too. <laughs> Peace. Sorry, let me put my baguette down. I didn't realize you podcasters were still listening. Well, since you are, why not head over to our Instagram page at the underscore baguette underscore boys and DM us. Let us know how all the challenges are going. And why not let us know how your yearly, maybe monthly, or even weekly goals are going. We'd love to interact with you guys and get new perspective to see how we can better ourselves and maybe even better you. Catch you guys next Monday. Peace out.